Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace and Trade. I'm Simone de Rochefort, senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. Welcome to the show and welcome to another Apple event week. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see this one. I didn't. I was at the RMV dealing with uh, our lovely layers of bureaucracy (laughs) uh, and trying to hunt down my birth certificate, which I lost when uh, when I moved the house. So, Christina, I I think we're going to be like relying (laughs) on you to help us understand this. Like I watched uh, recaps of it. Okay. (laughs) There's a lot of good stuff. It, it was kind yeah. of exciting this week. It was. It was. It was. Um. I mean, I think that like I was expecting about half of what they announced, and then like not at all the mm-hmm. other half. Mm-hmm. And so, so we'll we'll get into it. It was it was, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Did you have baseball in your predictions? Was that number one <laughs> on your yeah, list? That, that, I, I, that's what I really cared about. I really just care about the the Friday night baseball. That's that's the thing I'm really excited about. Spoilers. So I I married a baseball fanatic. I did, and and you know. Uh, MLB made a really big bet with MLB.tv, you know, back when Apple was really getting into their stride with the iPhone and, you know, making it for the first time that you could just stream games and get all this great information on your iPhone about who was winning, who was losing, all of that. And to me, it just seems like a very natural evolution that that would be on Apple TV. I think that's a really bold move for the service. But, you know, that's just me. Mm hmm. Uh, well, we will get into all of that and more. Uh, first up, I think we we are recording this, let's see, Wednesday, March 9th. And over the last week, aside from all of the horrible global events that are happening, a lot of anti-trans bills have been introduced in various states all over the country. Uh, Texas has a bill that would allow allow slash require parents of trans children to be investigated for child abuse. There's a terrible Ohio bill uh, that is being put forward that would prohibit uh, LGBTQ youth from receiving certain kinds of medical care. Uh, There's a lot more in Arizona, in Idaho. And uh, so I think we just wanted to say, if you are affected by those bills, I'm sorry, it sucks. And if you are not affected by those bills, but you're in a state where something like that is being put forward. I hope that you are reading about it and thinking about the ways that you can make your voice heard if you oppose these things. Um, I have a link in the show notes that I'm going to drop uh, that is a, a tracker that shows a bunch of the the bills that are being put forward, and they're all really bad. <laughs> um, so it's not a great way to start 2022. Um, yeah, anything else to to add on that? I I think I'd just add, you know, if you look at some of the something I feel very strongly about is awareness is not enough. Uh, You know, if a group has awareness, but there's not a policy like regarding civil Mm. rights to Mm -hmm. kind of keep you safe, awareness is a trap. And I think what you're seeing with the trans community is really having a huge bullseye um, placed on everyone. Right. So, um, if you look at who out there is actually trying to pass pro-trans legislation or fight these things, 
I invite you to go compare the budget of HRC, uh, which had to be dragged kicking and screaming into including trans people on staff. Uh, you know, HRC is kind of a very famous LGBT organization, but it's primarily historically gay men and you know gay issues. Um, I invite you to compare that budget to something like Lambda Legal, which is a lambda uh, like a legal defense uh, fund, uh, you know, basically combating these bills at the state level. And it's just night and day. Like for whatever reason, people are very happy to donate to you know wider gay causes, but the trans community is kind of trying to fight an onslaught without any ammo. So um, I would say to anyone out there, if you want to like take the next step, but you know, beyond just a, you know, we believe in you uh, go out there and support things like Lambda legal. I know the people that work there, they're fantastic. They do good work and uh, you know, people need help. So there it is. Thank you. All right. Now let's talk about, some Apple event stuff. Yes. So yes. this Apple event, the the peak performance event, was the subject of a funny, funny discourse even before it began. I think because a lot <laughs> of people were ready to announce it, and then it wasn't announced. And right. there was much talk, much discourse in the the Twitter space about the the blogs weeping as weeping in the night, unpublished, unseen. And then Apple was like, "Psych, wait." We're doing it. And everyone <laughs> rejoiced. <laughs> um, and then we got a lot of really, I think, interesting, in my in my opinion, products. So I'm going to start with, I think, uh, one of the biggest ones, which is new device, the Mac Studio. So this is basically... Oh, you're leading with the big one. You are. Yeah, the There's thick no build boy. up here. Okay, I mean, I mean, look, I don't think anybody cares about the iPhone SE 3, do they? <laughs> I I like it. I'm I kind of care exists. about it, but yeah, it's not the big yeah. news, and I acknowledge it. I, we're gonna we're gonna flow down from here. We're gonna do like okay. a, a pyramid okay. scheme. That's the structure of today's show. The Mac <laughs> Studio. Uh, so this is a Mac Mini like computing device. It's aimed. It's a Mac thick. It's a Mac thick. Thank you for the title of this show. And now we can all go home. Thanks for listening, everyone. This episode of Rock. <laughs> It is aimed at creative professionals. It has apparently a thousand majillion ports. No, it's got like four Thunderbolt ports and it's got an SD card slot. It's got its, it's own front-facing IO processing power. Yeah. It's it's a whole situation um in as Apple likes to do, a powerful little silver block which we love to see. It, it's much more like it's got a bit of a you can see on the the bottom of it. It's not totally flat like like um, you know, the old model of Apple TV. It's a little bit standing like on its sort of fan compartment, I believe. Um, but it's still that super minimalist just like curved situation. It starts at $3,999. Firmly putting it in the realm of creative professionals only yeah uh it was it was funny because as they were talking about it um we were kind of like uh in in the chat at work we were watching and we were all talking about okay how much is this going to be how much is this going to be and at first somebody was like oh it's gonna start at two thousand dollars and i was like no it's gonna start more than that it, it, you know like we, they were talking about the ultra because the base model does actually start at two thousand but the the ultra that ship and as they kept going on and on 
I said in the chat, I was like, oh no, this is a $4,000 computer. <sighs> and then, and then I tweeted that I was like, this thing is going to be $4,000 before we get to the screen, isn't it? And sure enough, that's exactly what it was. And I was like, <laughs> I would like the record to show that I called it exactly. <laughs> never, never bet against C-Mac unless it's about Elizabeth Holmes going to right? jail. Yeah. <laughs> then you bet against it. Then, then, then you bet against it, yeah. Right. Can we just mention this? Like, look, I understand this is studio box. The looks are not the point. But when I saw this, I just couldn't help but think about Phil Schiller. Like when they unveiled the next, the last Mac Pro and he gets up on stage and he's like, can't innovate anymore, my ass. And now it's like, oh, what is it now? Uh, yeah, you basically got the Mac Mini and it's tall. I <laughs> like, honestly, I'm looking at the pictures of it. I, I want to put a cup on it for some reason. Yeah. I want to yeah. like rest a mug on its flat, tall surface. I mean, it kind of looks like, you know, okay, you know what it actually looks like? What? It looks like the old Sonos, um, uh, like, uh, oh. Sonos had like a speaker, like, 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 um, like a control panel thing from like the very first Sonos speakers. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, and that's what it looks like to me. It, it's pretty funny. Um, it reminds me of the cube you step on in Elden Ring to go down the elevator shaft to like activate it up and down. It does. That's yeah, like as soon as connect. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna put a, a link in um, in in our uh, uh, chat. And actually, I want you two both just to like look at this thing. This is from 2006. I will put <laughs> my eyes just, on it. Just, just just see what this looks like because this is exactly what it looks like. Oh my god. Loading. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. This is it. I was like, "Where Lawsuit. is it?" And it's Lawsuit. just a white. Apple's back. going to court. Sonos uh. is getting money. Well, that's great for our show because we'll be able to cover something. Um, <laughs> so this thing supports apparently four Pro Display XDRs and a 4K TV, according to Apple. Oh, and it has an audio jack. <laughs> oh yeah, it has audio jack. No, uh. but, but, but like this is this is like the anti-Ive thing. This is like. It, yeah. This is like the complete continuing the the whole fill it trend that cords. we saw with the new MacBook of being like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so about that whole you know get thinner and thinner thing. No. Let, what what about we get thicker? We have front I/O. We have lots of ports. We have, we have products USB-A. that are functional. Honestly, yeah. I think we're really. I mean, since the the MacBook Pro redesign, I think we're really starting to see maybe the fruition of of I've leaving Apple. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like it because everything that has been announced kind of since since that MacBook redesign has been like, oh, this is this is functional. And it's, you know, not as you said, it's not just striving towards this aesthetic ideal, uh, which I get that like that was one of the things that Steve Jobs wanted was this aesthetic ideal in partnership with these uh, with new technology. But you know what? I I like the way the things look. I mean, personally, I love the way the new MacBook looks. I think it's perfect. Agreed. And I, this seems like a functional device that I will never be able to afford, but like it's for professionals. Of course, it has an audio jack and a freaking 10 gigabyte Ethernet port. Of course, it has USB and HDMI. Yes. Those are my thoughts. Any other thoughts on the, uh, the studio, the Mac studio? 
So, Christina, can you help me pick apart because they they used I, I did watch videos like going over the presentation, right? And right. they kept saying GPU, 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 right? And they they've got some stats like comparing it to you know Radeon Pro and stuff like that, or like a very old <laughs> like fifty seven hundred XT, uh, you know. But what what is the GPU situation? in this like i mean is it it's still integrated right like it's well, all yeah. part of this right um, yeah so i mean basically how this has worked is that they're using a similar um um uh, uh, i guess kind of like a um a strategy that amd actually started using with with the um with its chips where it it takes like so it with with amd they call it infinity fabric um and and basically they they take kind of the, the two chips and they kind of wire them together and that's how they're able to get more power out of this so this is basically two m1 max chips uh, uh, slotted together. And so they have more bandwidth and they're able to get more space across. And and AMD um, uh, has been doing that. Other companies have too. Uh, and so it is still integrated, but it is going to be basically like double the power of basically what you would get uh, essentially of, of two of the, the um, you know, M1 max is together. So you could have a theoretical uh, up, you know, up to 128 gigabytes, you know, of, of RAM, and and a lot of that could be dedicated towards graphical processing, which obviously, uh, as they said in the event, is more than than what you could get in the the highest end, you know, separate kind of like industrial GPU, which is I think 48 gigabytes. Um, this will be the interesting thing when we act like their benchmarks, like are always cherry picked. And mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see what people show. And, and and it's also synthetic and it's not an apples to apples thing because you can't run the same GPU tasks on a Mac that you could on the systems that they're comparing them to. You you just can't, you know, like if you're doing some motion graphics work um, and, and, you know, like video editing and whatnot, sure. But if you're doing, if you're talking about doing like high-end computational stuff, well, you can't run CUDA on Apple machines. So a lot of the scientific community program stuff is not going to be there. And I'm sorry, but MLKit doesn't count. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it doesn't. And uh, not to say that that you couldn't potentially like build programs specifically for those workloads, but it would have to be completely custom built. It would be a, an off-the-shelf thing. And, you know, the gaming situation is non-existent. <laughs> and so, which people on the internet got mad at me for stating, but it's the truth. You're and always so, right. Well, on this I am, but like uh, they, but they, they try to compare like the, the, I guess the, the power and performance thing with like a, a 3090. Um, and, and it looked like it would basically be about as powerful as a 3090, but consuming less, um, less energy. Hmm. But again, if you look at the fine print, they're like, well, this is in, in certain industry benchmarks. We don't know what that really means. I think it means yeah. that, that potentially this could be really good if you were to configure this out all the way to the wazoo, right? If you were to configure this with 128 gigs of RAM with the fastest, you know, kind of situation, that this could be very good. But no, it's it's still an integrated GPU. But I, I think that however Apple's doing things with with their own processors, I think that the discrete versus 
you know, integrated matters less, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I, I think it does for this particular work case because, you know, Apple is, I mean, you're kind of limiting yourself to, you know, the Apple ecosystem of pro products, right? Which, you know, frankly, does not involve a lot of the 3D graphics industry. It, it doesn't involve games. I mean, say what you want about the PC gamer space, but like, can this game run Elden Ring at, you know, 4K with, uh, you know, DLSS, right? Like, that's a that's a meaningful benchmark about the power of a system to do something like with graphical performance. And Apple, I mean, you know, it's just not what they're ever going to do. And it, right. you can't keep wanting that because it's never going to happen. It uh, just makes it very hard out, to eval- evaluate it, it does, stuff. But, yeah. but, I sh- but I should also point out, like, your minimum, if you were to do the 20-core, the you know, CPU with the 64-core GPU and the 32-core neural engine with 128 gigabytes of unified memory, that is $5,800. Right. Okay. So that is now, whereas a lot of the things they're comparing things to are... Uh, you know, uh, they're they're comparing against consumer CPUs and GPUs, which don't cost that much. So right. I think that the more interesting thing will be to say, okay, how does this compare against Threadripper? How does this compare against some of the new, um, you know, like like Intel, like uh, you know, kind of uh, server chips? How does this compare against, you know, maybe enterprise kind of graphics cards? Then I I don't know because those are the things that would actually be in this price range. Um, I don't I don't know how advantageous those results would be, but I will say I would hope obviously you can't play Elden Ring on this. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and and if you could, it would be emulated to hell and, and I'm sure it would do a great job because it's very powerful, but that's not what this is designed for. But um, I would hope that if you paid fifty eight hundred dollars for a computer and, and keep in mind, this is not including the screen or anything else. I would hope you would be able to play a game, a, you know, a AAA game in 4K. Like, I, I, I certainly would hope so, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of, I guess, actually, no, you know what we're going to do right now? I'm going to tell you that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Yay! <laughs> Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage your audience, and sell anything you like, your products, your services, even the content that you pick up while you're reading because you're drinking tea. (laughs) You can sell anything, your products, your services, and even the content you create. Squarespace has you covered. With Squarespace, for example, hmm... You could stand out in any inbox with Squarespace email campaigns, because along with your beautiful website that you will customize to suit your exact needs, you can encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and start them on the beautiful journey to becoming loyal customers. Just start with an email template and customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and logo. Plus, they have built-in analytics to measure the impact of every send. Squarespace, that that's cool though. See, that was a thing that that's like a newish thing that I don't remember learning about when I first learned about Squarespace. They are growing, they are learning, they are increasing. Uh, I super enjoyed building websites with Squarespace. I find it very therapeutic and fun. Uh, and you could find it functional 
because you're doing it for a really good reason. Head to squarespace.com slash rocket for a free trial with no credit card required. And then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code rocket to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That is squarespace.com slash rocket. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for rocket. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and Relay FM. So maybe we could all like go through and add like to wrap this topic up, just like one thing out of this that you're psyched about. How how would that be? Well, That's I want to say studio. a little yeah. a little oh, word ahead. of Sorry. warning first. Sorry. Yes. yes. The 27 inch Intel Mac is no longer available. Oh, the 27 inch Mac. Period. Like, yeah. Like they they said that this was the final you know, thing that they're bringing out. And like it, I mean, there's, I've seen some people have some hot takes that like the, the, the big iMac is just gone and I certainly hope they'll bring it back, but yeah. Mm-hmm. RIP to a real one. Yeah. That's, and that's the one that you bought right before the M1 chips came out. Right, Christina? Yeah. They, they announced they were coming out, but I went ahead and I bought it anyway. And I don't regret yes. that. Although yes. they, they, they did point out that like it's that this new thing is two and a half times faster and this and that. And, and and I was looking at my 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 black beauty, and I was like, "You are it's silver." But I was like, <laughs> "You," I was like, "You you you're still lo- you're still wonderful. I still love you." Um, and I was considering at one point, I was like, "Oh, do I need to sell my my you know MacBook Pro, whatever?" That was before we got to the four thousand dollar price, and I was like, "You know what? I'm good." I was like, "Actually, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I was like, actually, completely good." Um, I did want to point out though that I do think that the two thousand dollar um entry level base model um uh Mac Studio, which is five hundred twelve um SSD, which is a little on the low side. But it's 32 uh, gigs of RAM and an M1 Max um, a chip. Mm-hmm. I think that that for a lot of people who are like not the high end professionals who would need what you need a four thousand dollar machine for, which is going to be a, a pretty self selecting group, I think. But for people who might historically have been in that, I will spend four thousand dollars on an iMac category, mm-hmm. which are people mm-hmm. like me. I think that that's actually not a bad option. Um, uh, whether you want to, you, whether you get the, the the studio display, which we'll talk about or not, I, I think is is a different question. But I think that having that at that two thousand dollar point for that type of user, I I I don't necessarily think it's a one to one thing. But I think that the type of people who would be like me, who every every you know like like you know three to four years were spending about four thousand dollars on the highest end iMac they could get um, or, or people like Brie who had an iMac Pro, I think that the the $2,000 um, uh, M1 Max, I think is is a mm-hmm. pretty decent kind of sweet spot, to be honest. I, I want to wait for more real-world testing and breakdown of that, and, and let me tell you why. Um, like you, I don't regret getting my iMac Pro. Uh, it's kind of when it comes to the Intel Macs, you know, it is an end-of-the-line, multi-core, like, ultra-hot rod of a Mac, right? Right. So <laughs> when it comes to, to like, running software that is Intel-bound, um, that's as good as it's going to get, right? And this is a machine I'm just not going to update and it's going to exist. And like there's a, there's software I use for my 3D printer uh, that is, that's going to run fantastic on there. But my, 
there's a larger discussion here about like, does it make sense to always get the fastest, like most expensive, like best Mac? And I mean, all three of us, yeah, we all have the M1 Mac book, right? Yes. And I have the cheapest one of, of any of us. And I have to tell you, I've had to edit quite a few videos uh, for work lately, like really going into Final Cut and Motion. And just to be honest with you, it is like just the base model Mac Pro, MacBook Pro laptop is more power than I need to do fairly you know complicated mm-hmm. After Effects composites, mm-hmm. right? And I just um, like I would almost say if you want to get like the the ultra machine, the four thousand dollar machine, like maybe that's a good pick for you. But I really almost think like my before we get the benchmarks, I would suspect that getting a MacBook in a studio like display would be a better call for most people because then you have the portability and you also have that gorgeous screen for when you're working at home. Cause I, I think the, the internals of it are going to be good. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it definitely makes sense to me. I, I think just because I'm in that for me specifically in my work from home situation, even though I did recently buy like a new table, I still don't have a super comfortable work from home situation. So I'm in that exact scenario that you're describing where I have a monitor that's kind of sitting on a table that I will regretfully sit at occasionally. But usually I'll, you know, I like to work from literally anywhere else. Um, So I can definitely see that proposition. Um, And I'm going to talk a little bit uh, at the end of the show about my relationship with my new MacBook, uh, since I don't think we did the update on that. No, we didn't. But um, yeah, I I totally agree with you, Brie. I think for an enterprise situation, like if if you have a big studio setup, and by studio, I mean like work studio where, you know, you're tied to your multiple monitors, etc, etc. Are you doing some really hardcore stuff? Um, This does make sense. But um, yeah, yeah. like in my argument was more like, I think like if you were the type of person who was buying a 27 inch iMac because you wanted that for whatever yes, reason, there you yeah. go. like, yeah. like, like yeah. I, I feel like there is value to because of the ports and because of some other stuff. I feel like you could do well, like a, um, a friend of mine and, and a, a previous podcast guest, uh, the Verges, um, Alex Kranz. She bought uh, the base model um, uh, Mac Studio like immediately, and it, she's replacing a computer that she has um, hated. She had like the original 2016 Touch Bar um, MacBook. She hates that thing, huh. and because it's a terrible computer, you know, with the keyboard and all that, and and it and it has not been a, a good machine for her. But this is the sort of thing that like, she has a work laptop, but this is the sort of thing with with the sort of screens that she wants to use with it that'll be really good. And so I feel like. If I were to like, if I were faced with the options today of getting an iMac or getting that machine, the base model machine, maybe with a couple of adjustments and a, a separate monitor, I would probably do the the latter. That that was my only kind of point. So I kind of we're saying goodbye to the twenty seven inch iMac. I do hope we see a big iMac return in the future, but I kind of feel like this, at least with they what's available now, is a decent. Um, replacement, even if it's not going to be one-to-one, you know, what, what those of us who liked to spend that much money on a high-end iMac used to do. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, I completely uh, agree. Well, let's take the opportunity to talk about the studio display since we've kind of referred to it a few times by now. Uh, Apple revealed a 27-inch uh-huh, 5K huh. screen. It does have a stand, but you can buy an additional stand. Um, and it, like it, it looks much like the iMac. It's a be- big, beautiful screen in an aluminum sort of case. Uh, some stats for you. The display can reach up to 600 nits of brightness. Um, and it's got macOS's True Tone and as well as a 12 megapixel ultra wide camera for video conferencing. Uh, and it is available for order now, shipping March 18th, costing $1,500 for the base model. $1,600. dollars oh, I wrote down wrong numbers. Thank you. Thank you for knowing numbers. Yeah, so this is ostensibly like their companion piece to the the Mac Studio where, hey, you're buying this. You want a fancy monitor of the same brand? Here you go. This will go nicely. Um, and it's it's nice. I, I don't have any... I don't think I have any problems with it. It's got this tiltable stand so you can adjust, you know, the angle that you are viewing it at. Um, and, oh yeah, it is $1,600. It's $1,599. Why do I always round down $100? <laughs> you, this because, is why I'm because, bad at math. Yeah, no, there because because in your mind, you're like, there's no way this could cost this much. Um, and yeah, here we are. And yeah, here we are. Um, a, a lot of people have been very upset about this, which surprised me because yeah. people have been begging for um, a, a non-pro um, display XDR for a long time. This the the screen, um, the panel. Uh, it, it is a higher brightness, but the panel itself seems to be identical to what is in the ultrafine um, LG 5K, which has been out for about five years, and and the same thing they've been shipping in the the iMac um, with Retina for I guess about eight years now. Um, that and that's a good screen. Uh, some people are upset because it doesn't have a hundred and it, it's sixty um, um, uh, hertz, and so they're like, it would be good to have higher refresh pro ProRes. There's not enough bandwidth for that yeah. uh, in Thunderbolt. That that doesn't that that's not a possibility. You could do it with four K. You can't do it with five K. There's actually a pretty significant bump from four K to five K. Um, there are no other five K monitors on the market other than that LG. So I. Okay, I bought this. Oh, I bought this. I'm going to replace. I didn't buy this, so I can't wait to talk about this. Yeah, so I, I bought this. I um I got the Vesa model. Here's the here here's where I will give some quibbles for what it is, and I know exactly what this is. I think this is fine. Do I think that the price is a little bit high? Yeah, I do. But it's it's Apple, so it is what it is. Would I have maybe liked to have seen a higher um um uh, you know um uh, brightness so we could have better HDR? Sure. Uh, would mini OLED have been great? Look, we can all dream in a fantasy world. Would that wouldn't happen at this price point? But but uh, you know what? Whatever. Here's where I will like quibble a little bit. So it's sixteen hundred dollars now. Unlike the Pro Display XDR, which we should point out is a five thousand dollar display that does not come with a stand. Um, this does where you have to pay a thousand dollars if you want to get a stand or a hundred dollars if you want to get, um, a, a VESA, um, a, a attachment. This does come with a stand, but if you want to get the adjustable stand, it's $400, which I think is obscene mm. and you can't replace any of these things. So that I think is obscene. I think it's ridiculous to have to sell a monitor for this type of price point where you don't even have the option unless you buy it at time of purchase 
to do something with with how you're going to position it. So I did what I did with my iMac and what I recommend people who want flexibility do, which is I I ordered it with the vase mount. So if I did want to get a stand at some point, I can do that. But I, I've actually recently bought a bunch of Ergotron arms and um, this will be going on one of those. I'm actually going to replace um, the LG Ultrafine 5K with it. And I'm going to sell that to um, a, a colleague. Um, I don't think it's going to be a big upgrade, to be completely honest with you. I think that they're pretty similar, but it's going to look better aesthetically and, and maybe mm-hmm. perform a little bit better with with my stuff because I haven't loved the LG, to be honest. But um, you can do better if you don't need a 5K display is what I guess I'm saying. But if you need a 5K display or you're like me and, and you would like a 5K display. Mm-hmm. And sorry, did I, you say like this. why why this specifically and not any of the like competing monitors that would have the similar similar screen because i wanted a 5k display okay gotcha 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 honestly that that's really what it comes down to for for mac stuff the way that apple does um uh you know like uh, i guess like high def uh, you know high dpi stuff 4k is okay but it, it the the really you get the better resolution like for pixel doubling if you're doing 5k and since i have the 5k imac I would like to have another display that matches the same resolution, just to be honest. And I already have one of those. So I'm just honestly, this, I I don't need this. I don't need this. This is just a a nice to have thing. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting a good, I'm selling my LG for a decent amount. I've amortized that. And so I'm, you know, this is what, this is the one thing from the event that I'm buying. Okay. So this is, this is why I didn't buy this. Um, so I'm at the RMV and I've been wanting one of these forever. And Christina texts me. She's like, you know, this came out. When is this available? She's like, now. And I'm like, oh my God, I've got to order this because if I don't, like, do you know what I mean? I'm going to be at right. the back of the line. It's going to be all of that. And I started thinking about it. And look, I am I am very much in the camp that overall, traditionally, Apple displays, while being pricey, are very much worth the money. Mm. I literally got 10 years of use out of both of my Thunderbolt uh, mm-hmm. ACD displays that I bought last time. They were fantastic. They got me through a ton of stuff, a ton of different Macs, uh, generally worked with no problems, are still bright and very usable to this day. I'm very happy with those purchases. The reason I did not buy this isn't because I don't think it's a good product. I do. It's that I literally just built like my monster PC like last year. Right. And I bought a really expensive, uh, the top of the line uh, monitor that Wirecutter um, recommends, mm. which is a 32 inch 4K uh, Dell. Mm-hmm. Um, it cost about $800. And look, it is a, 32 inches is better than 27. It just is. It's a nice, bright, crystal clear display that the first time I plug it into my Mac, it always works the first time. And it has a KVM switch on it, which means I can just switch between my PC and my Mac without going into a bunch of nonsense. So it's like I can't justify personally like – putting that on a shelf or selling something that is a fantastic piece of equipment for $800 for something that's smaller 
that do you know what I mean? It's just no, not, I totally it, it get doesn't it. make sense. But no, I think overall, this absolutely. is a really good buy. So, no, I mean, I yeah. no, look, I, I 100% agree with you. And I'm actually I'm waiting for the LG C2, which is their uh television line. I'm waiting for mm-hmm. the C2 to come out. Um, and, and I'm either going to get a 42 or a 48 inch uh, model of those and use that as kind of a gaming display and use that with my PC. Um, one of the reasons I built the PC that I have is because it has Thunderbolt on it and I can actually use it with the 5k display I have, it works. Okay. It only works at 4k and I have a separate 4k monitor too. Um, but if I'd invested in like, I I had that, like, uh, there's no way I can justify this other than like, I wanted it. And, and it's, it's, um, um, I, and I'm able to sell the LG for a good price. If I, if I was being like a responsible, like rational adult, I don't think this would be an upgrade. Uh, but for what it is, if you're looking for a 5k display of which there aren't any others, um, I'm not mad at it. A lot of people on the internet are very, very mad at it, though. Hmm. Well, I think that's silly. I think if you're buying a Mac laptop, this is a great companion to go with it. And you will, no matter what Apple puts out in the future, you're going to get many years of use out of this. So, you know, I, I, I think that's a silly response from those people. Well, let's talk about, I think, the, the rest of the announcements are not as big as those two that we've just covered. Um the I think next one we should talk about is the new model of the iPhone SE. It's mm-hmm. got 5G. It's got the A15 Bionic chip. And Apple is basically saying, hey, you can get all the all the juice that you want from the iPhone 13, but in a tiny, tiny phone that is 4.7 inches. Uh, and it still only costs $429 for the base model. Um, it's got Touch ID, uh, and that's coming out on March 18th. Um, I, um, as I've said, always a fan of the, the SE. Is it sexy still? It's still not sexy. <laughs> no, I, the weird thing for me about this, like, cause it has basically the exact same as the iPhone eight design. So we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, like however many years now that the, this, the same design has existed and, um, and it's notable when you look at like on their product page, what they're comparing it to, they're comparing it to, you know, they, they have like, you can compare it to the iPhone SE two, and you can compare it to, uh, the iPhone six S and the iPhone seven and the iPhone eight. And, and those are the people who I think they're targeting mm-hmm. with this. My only, I guess, kind of uh, complaint. And I know that some people, uh, will obviously disagree with me because people wanted the small phone again, but that's why we have the iPhone mini. I wish that they would make this the same price, the same size as the Plus phones. Ooh, that is because, controversial. Because, and I'll say why, like my dad still has an iPhone 7 Plus. We want him to upgrade. We, it's not a money thing. Like my mom has an iPhone um, 12 Pro uh, Max um, and and she could upgrade to a, a 13, but she hasn't, um, although she might um, because she's on the, the upgrade plan. Like he, it's it's not an issue. He he could get, we could buy him five, uh, you know, new iPhones if, if he wanted, but he likes what he likes his phone, but it's getting old and it's slow and mm-hmm. the battery is not good. And I would love to get him a new phone. The problem is, and, and like his eyes aren't great and he's, you know, older. The problem is his options for a big phone at this point, like if we're talking about like physically as well as the screen size that would match, you know, the phone he's familiar with, mm-hmm. his only option is to get the the, the Pro Max. Ooh, that's so interesting because I feel like right? for for so long we've been mourning the death of uh, of small phones, but right. it, I, it it is true that there are no 
cheap models of phone like all the new phones are the bigger and the better and emphasis on the bigger i guess in this case where where is the iphone se that just has a bigger screen right is it an ipad is it the ipad mini (laughs) i mean right exactly and i mean i think that if you could make phone calls on the ipad mini then that would be maybe a, a perfect thing but you but you can't and so i don't know i feel like you know, I've I've done a complete 180. I've completely come around on big phones um, just because I accepted the fact that like all phones are going to be too big for my hands. So might as well just go all in. Um, but I, it's one of those things where I, where I just feel like, OK, if you know, based on market data that people like bigger phones, I, I wish that when they were doing these SEs, which, you know, they're able to sell for so cheap because they're just reusing old designs and they're putting newer chips in them, you mm-hmm. know, like. I don't know. I feel like it would be nice if they had the the bigger screens because I do feel like at this point you sell an iPhone mini. You have that segment covered. You have like the the or entry level thing. I feel like for an SE that that's my one complaint. I I really feel like they have have an opportunity where they could probably do better. Maybe they're worried they would cannibalize their higher price phones frankly yeah. if they did this. Yeah, but, actually. Yeah. But at that point, you know, you you have other things like it doesn't have face ID and you know, you know what I mean like there there's other trade-offs that you are making when you get the the um the SE phone if they made it so that it was the same size as the plus. Mm-hmm. Like even if they charged $100 more for it, I don't know. That that would be my per, my my personal kind of kind of wish, but that's that's really my only thought. I mean, I think I'm glad they continue to make a phone that costs less than $1000. All right. So uh, another product that they announced at this Apple event is the new iPad Air with that M1 chip in it. Uh, It's eight core M1 chip like the iPad Pro. It's also got 5G for cellular models and it's got a 12 megapixel front facing camera. So new iPads. I always do like to see new iPads like I'm still super happy with my iPad Pro from Gosh, it, has it been two years now since I got mm-hmm. this model? It has, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that's nuts. But the fact that the iPads are kind of upgrading, you know, a, a couple years behind the the computers with the these new chips, um, I like a lot. Like, it's it's just a really good product. And even imagining, like, how, how fast and functional mine is, uh, you know, for all the hardcore things I do, like crossword puzzles and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you need a very high-end uh, iPad to I mean, do Wordle it, it on almost, it. Yeah, it almost makes me wonder, like, what... Obviously, it makes it faster for the regular stuff that you might be doing on an iPad, like email and writing and, I don't know, watching video, presenting uh, presentations, keynotes. But what is, what is the purpose of such a powerful chip in, in right. the iPad? Well, not only that, but I mean, this is the interesting thing. I mean, I, I do feel like this makes a really compelling case, I guess, because it, it's it is expensive. I mean, like if you were to do the two fifty six model with the uh, cellular, it's it's nine hundred dollars, and then you add on the keyboard, and that's like another you know two fifty or whatever, and um, that um, you know is is um, you're you're getting in, into kind of uh, three hundred rather so you, that you're getting into laptop category mm. uh bright pricing at that point you know um but but which i think for a lot of people is increasingly what they can use an ipad for um the interesting thing here is that if you compare this the, in to the 11 inch ipad pro which also is an m1 chip with cellular which i believe is not 
5G. I'll have to check on that, but I, I, I don't think it's 5G. It might be. The, the iPad Pro is $200 more for the exact same amount of storage Ooh. and the same chip. Now, what do you get for that $200? Well, you ostensibly get like a better rear camera system, although it's an iPad, so I don't know how much you care. You do get the ProMotion display, which is nice. I'm not going to lie about that. You get Face ID, which I think that we've all, the, the last two years of wearing masks has made Face ID a little bit of a flop. Um, Until now. Well, yeah, but like- We'll see. You know, I, I, I have to say, having Touch ID on my iPad mini, yeah, I much prefer that. Like on the power button, I actually think it's pretty perfect. That's just as as convenient. It works with the same, um, you know, uh, Magic Keyboard and um, Apple Pencil. So it's interesting, I think, like looking at like these two nearly identical size machines, like $200 difference. That ProMotion display is really nice. I don't know if it's $200 difference though, right? So this is the weird thing Mm -hmm. to me about this. Like at this point, the iPad Air is so good. I'm like, why are you still selling the 11 inch iPad Pro. I I don't know either. It's almost like a dead device and I keep I keep waiting when they're talking iPads at these events like bring out the next iPad Pro. Like I love mine. I've gotten a lot of use out of it. But it I really too. it really feels like Apple's not committed to that particular line anymore and the iPad Air is really taking it over. I I I do think that I think the iPad a lot more than the iPhone. I think it's a product designed to get a really, really long life out of it, right? Yeah. Like more than your Mac, more than your phone. You know, because I've had my iPad Pro. How many years has it been now? Like it's got to be three or four, right? And it's mm-hmm. still fantastic. I used to on my trip down to Miami two weeks ago, like just constantly. I'm not using it thinking this thing is too slow or the magic keyboard is not good enough. I mean, it's got so much life in it. So, you know, I, if I think if Apple it's almost like the product line is so powerful at this point, the entire, you know, M1 line of chips that I think Apple would need a really strong differentiating feature if they were to bring back like the iPad Pro. And I I really scratch my head thinking about what that could possibly be since the Magic Keyboard like works for both devices, right. you know? I mean- Right. I mean, the one thing I will say is it, we're talking, or at least I'm talking about the 11 inch here because the 12.9 inch, the the new, uh, the one that came out last year, a year ago, has the, the mini um, um, uh, LED display, which right. is significantly better, I think, for some people. And they obviously don't make any other iPad that big. But yeah, for me, who's rocking, you know, a, a bought it November of, of 2018, 11 inch iPad Pro, and I've wanted a reason to upgrade it. And now I'm at this weird point where I'm like, well, do I just get an iPad Air? Like that's is it's um, you know what I mean? Like that's it's it's a weird yeah. place. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more, and then we'll be done with this Apple event. <laughs> uh, Wait, forty six minutes. Oh my gosh. I know. Come on. Actually, you know what? One and two. It's fine. Yeah, it it honestly kind of is. Uh, I think we might as well do that. But first, let me tell you that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Trade. A lot of coffee is dull and stale or maybe questionably sourced, but it's easy to get stuck in a rut and just drink what you always have. Instead of standing in front of all the options in your grocery store, let Trade Coffee help you find something new to love. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship them to you as often as you like, whole or ground. 
Whether you're a coffee nerd or you just want a better daily cup or to like try something new and fun once in a while, Trade's Real Coffee Experts taste test over, over 400 roasts. I want that job. And use technology to match you with your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. The good news is I don't have that job. They have people that are qualified for that job to it. <laughs> you get started by taking a coffee quiz, uh, which was really fun. And Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. Lo, I did love my first bag. I wasn't able to take advantage of this feature because I did really enjoy it. Trade has been featured by the New York Times, Wired, GQ, and has delivered over 5 million bags of coffee, including to me. Their subscription is no hassle. You can skip shipments. You can change your frequency of shipments or cancel at any time. So personally, I think I'm on I'm on bag four now. Uh, they did like initially provide me with three free bags. Uh, my fourth one I paid for and I signed up for the monthly plan because uh, I figured I, 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 I'm usually pretty hesitant about getting subscriptions, but it did let me just customize exactly how often I wanted a bag delivered. I thought, oh, this sounds kind of nice. I'm going to get like a nice bag of coffee the, at the beginning of every month. And uh, just as a little treat for me, the one that I got recently is called Black Velvet from a roaster called Atomic in Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, the description, silky smooth and dark as night. This blend features a hint of spice and a nutty sweetness that'll pair beautifully with a splash of your favorite milk, but is just as delicious on its own. And I have to tell you, when I received this like little package in the mail and I initially cut open that um, plastic that's holding, you know, the bag, keeping it secure, the smell of this coffee was so good that I, I, I had to like I had to stop for a moment and just be like, wait. And then I shoved my nose uh, up against the bag. Um, and I, I really like this one. Like my first one, I really liked the next two. I was like, OK, interesting. And then this one, I'm like, yeah. Um, and obviously you can, you know, reorder the coffees that you like. They're not going to force you to find ones that, you know, they're not going to force you to try new things. But you should because it's kind of fun. For our listeners right now, Trade Coffee is offering a total of $20 off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com slash rocket. To get started, take their quiz at drinktrade.com slash rocket and start your journey to your perfect cup. That is drinktrade.com slash rocket. Our thanks to Trade for their support of this show and Relay FM. And, and just a correction on my part, the iPad Pro that came out last year, the M1 um, models, does have 5G. Sorry, go nice. on. All right, we've got iOS 15 coming out next week. Eh. We've got a green iPhone 13 and 13 Pro. I love this color. It's like this too. slick army green. I've not been this excited about an iPhone color since I think the yellow uh, <laughs> on the iPhone 11, which I adore and still have. I just had to look at my phone to be like, wait, is that my phone? <laughs> You're like, I love my phone color. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> so I love this. This is great. Um, and then I think the final little piece of news that we want to cover from this is that Friday Night Baseball is coming to Apple TV Plus. <laughs> As we alluded to at the beginning of the show, here it is. Baseball's not dying. It's coming to Apple TV Plus Friday night. 
Friday baseball night is only. awesome. You can watch the Red Sox, the most patriotic team in the classiest city on earth, Boston. <laughs> like, come on. I I have a I learned something about baseball recently that has like confused and shaken me to my core. There's this video that's going around on Twitter of I think a, a high school or college baseball game where the the hitter the yeah the hitter yeah the hitter hits a home run and then he like starts doing this little strut to first base and he flips his bat up in the air and his whole team is like cheering him on and hooting and hollering and then he you know finishes the jog around the diamond and comes to home and there's baseball fans on twitter being like this is disgusting (laughs) is this what the children are learning these days i can't believe this level of behavior in our game and i was looking at like i watched the whole video thinking i wonder when the disgusting behavior happens (laughs) and it's just like these are kids enjoying a sport where somebody did the objectively best thing that can happen in the sport i don't understand it are baseball fans okay uh, the answer is no. Uh, baseball <laughs> is a sport with a look. I I don't love baseball. I don't love any sport, but I'm married to uh, the Tea Party equivalent of a Yankees <laughs> fan <laughs> who is so fanatical about it. And you know, because of that, I kind of love the Red Sox just to annoy them. I think you have to. Uh, well, I, I I ran for office in Boston. Yeah, so they don't like love yeah, the Red Sox. I was going to say if, if, if you don't. Like run for Red Sox ticket in Boston, they will literally run you out of town. Yeah, yes, they will. Uh, but yeah, there's there's like all these unwritten rules of baseball. Like you know, uh, you never like pile on the scoring too too hard. If you're leading by a certain amount, you kind of let up with the pitching and don't rub it in. Like it's it's really bizarre. Like baseball is a it's it's almost like gaming online. There are all these obscure rules that. Like, if you don't live in that culture, ah. you would just never know. So I see. I see. Uh, and and there, there is also, I should point out, like, they're announcing this big baseball deal, and we don't even know when baseball's coming back. That's right. because they're still because on of, strike, aren't they? Yeah, yep. yeah. They, yeah the, 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 there's still the lockout going on. So I was a huge baseball fan as a kid and until the, the, the strike of 94, which, like, basically ruined my childhood. So, and, and was like a, uh, so, um, I, I hope for, for the, the kids who are fans today, I hope that they are able to come up with some sort of agreement, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it, but so that, that to me was sort of the interesting thing that they like led with that. I'm like, are you sure you want to lead with this thing that we're not even sure if it's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe Apple can <laughs> shoulder some weight in the, uh, the negotiations they won't it's fine yeah, i just i have to say you know the reason that they're on strike is because they're looking for fair pay and they've got a very like the the league wanted to push them into unsafe uh covid conditions at yeah. the beginning and you know the players union really stepped up and and got some very fair concessions to keep everyone safe which is why mlb was one of the first sports to come back so you know if they're striking for fair pay uh i 100 support that i think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So any other thoughts about the Apple event before we move on to today's dessert? Just just ultra quickly. I mean, overall, what what grade would we give this? Because I I personally don't find the Mac Studio that sexy. Hmm. Uh, you know, the the display coming out, obviously I've wanted that for a long time. Uh, but, you know, a display is ultimately not really a sexy product. You've got the iPad Air refresh, not sexy. Uh, you've got kind of the derivative design of the iPhone SE, not sexy. Um, this is kind of not the sexiest uh, Apple event ever, I think. Uh, is that fair? Because I, I really like the studio, and I, do too. I think the display, even though it's like very much not for me and it's super expensive, I, I do think it is sexy. So I think this would be a B plus for me. That's where I would put it. I put like B plus A minus, and I'll and I think that for me, you're right. It's not the most. This I'll tell you why I like this event. This was like the second event we've had um in in a shorter period of time where I, I thought that the verge um had like a good op-ed on this which is that apple is no longer telling people what they want but they're giving them what they asked for basically or, you know giving them what they want mm. and and i felt like this is you know for so many years now especially with the mac because this was a mac event um and and that in and of itself i think is is remarkable because apple had basically abandoned the mac for yeah. a long time um so I think that this is uh, I like this event because even though many of our listeners are probably not the target audience and we're not even the target audience necessarily, although like Simone, I have a feeling the Verge will probably or sorry, Polygon will probably be buying uh, a number of, of uh, Mac studios. Like I can see that becoming kind of de facto like in office kit. You know what I mean? Tell them. Um, I mean, Listen. I have a, I'm sure, I'm sure that they will, right? Just because, like, just doing a price performance thing, I, 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 I'm sure that they will be. Um, I think that even if this isn't, and and certainly, you know, I could see, you know, for some of the stuff that I do, some people could find use cases for it. But even if it's not for us, I was just really glad to see an event that was focused on professionals and on that prosumer audience, which we, you know, everybody has been screaming about for years. Oh, it exists. We want this. You know, people have wanted this this mythical kind of X Mac is 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 what it's kind of um, been been known as is where it's like a, a more powerful Mac Mini, and we got it. And and I never expected to see front I O on an Apple product. And I um, I don't know, like I'm mm -hmm. I'm not the target audience for all of it, obviously. But I was, uh, I'm glad that they're doing this. I'm glad they're making these sorts of investments like that. That, that leaves me heartened. So I, I'm with you. I would give it like a, a, a B plus, A minus. That's fair. That's fair. Well, hey, uh, let's talk about some dessert because I believe both of you have seen the new The Batman film, which is I called The twice. Batman. It's so good. Oh my it's God. really good. So yeah. this is Robert Pattinson's Batman film that was briefly caught in hell because of COVID. I think they were still filming parts of it when COVID hit. And yeah, then and then they had was, to shut it down because yeah. because our Pat's got he COVID. got COVID, and then there was the you know the the dance that I think every blockbuster is doing right now of like how how and when do we release this? And then finally, it has come to theaters. Um, the haters the haters doubted Robert Pattinson, but my understanding is that he brought the bat. He did. Yeah. Oh. He, I, I think he's good. I think he, no, look, no, no. I'm not saying he's not. Uh, go ahead. No, uh, look, I'll, I'll I'm just saying. Thoughts. Look, yeah, we had Batfleck 
Like, like, right. like let, let's just look at where the, the look at Batman where franchise been. Look has at what been. been through. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, I saw Batman versus Superman at the world premiere. Like, I saw, like, the premiere at Radio City Music Hall. Like, I have a photo of Will Smith. Like, it was, you know, um, a fun event. And I'm really glad I got to see something there. But even I couldn't convince myself on the car ride back, like, where you have, like, the euphoria of the whole thing. Even I couldn't convince myself that that was a good movie. Right. Like e- even immediately afterwards, and, and that and that was significantly better than Justice League either version. So mm-hmm. we we had the best Batman series of all time, uh, the the Nolan series, and then we had this this darkness. And you know what? I like our Pats, and and I liked emo Batman, and and I'm I, I I'm I'm here for it. I I want to be clear. I liked him a lot in in this role and i i like this movie a great deal what i think i would say about this film is it his performance the suit is doing a lot of the work right yeah. uh, there there's a lot of shots of him like coming out of shadows and standing there and i think he has fewer lines as batman i would guess than any other batman film like he's generally a quieter Batman. So then in the moments where he's not Batman or he's trying to relate to people, his his Batman is weird. Like he's yeah. a super weird dude, right? And it's great. You can't take your eyes off him. But even when he's trying to talk about like justice with Selena Kyle and you know, there's like the 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 rich and the poor dynamics to it, wealth inequality. He's just awkward, right? And it's it's his performance. I'm not critiquing that. I'm just saying this isn't like Heath Ledger level no. acting, right? It's he plays a interesting, compelling character. But as far as like being present and like acting the hell out of it, they're just that's just not what he's doing here. Nor should he. Does Does no. that make sense to but you? No, you're completely right. Um, yeah. um Gawker, New Gawker, uh, in you as I like to call it, <laughs> uh, New, New Gawker uh, wrote uh, Robert Pattinson is too weird to be Batman. Uh, this is a compliment. And and I actually agree with that. And they kind of made a, a similar, the author of that piece, uh, Robert um, Rubsom, uh, made, made a similar um, uh, comment as, as you did. Um, I would like to point out, just because I have no other place to talk about this, that I do find it very amazing that two of the best genre directors that we've had, J.J. Uh, mm-hmm. Abrams and now Matt Reeves, uh, were the co-creators of Felicity, which was oh, a wow. freaking kind of right. baby show about a college girl oh, on wow. WB. You will and that was, never forget. No, and I won't. Nor and I will point you. that out to you everyone. You were preaching the gospel to people. Honestly, I'm just saying, though, like, because Matt Reeves has given us good stuff. Is he JJ level? No, but JJ is like, you know, uh, kind of like the highest echelon. But Matt Reeves, I really like Cloverfield. Um, his um 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 uh um uh, uh, uh the right ones in um um uh American or or English uh remake uh Let Me In was good. Mm-hmm. I like his uh um uh, uh Kong films. So and I thought this was good. So again, like props to the props to the Felicity guys. I just have to say that because that's just <laughs> the weirdest. This is just the weirdest reality that we live in. That these two genre yeah. directors like created Felicity. Hundred percent. Um. So, uh, 
Yeah, he's just literally never made a bad film. I couldn't agree more with that. What did you think about Selena Kyle and Catwoman? Because I love her. I, I thought she was very good. I still think Anne Hathaway. I think the mm-hmm. script gave her a lot more to work with as a character. Yes. She had more moments. She had more lines. She had more profound things to say. And 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 in fairness, like I, I I'm a huge Zoe Kravitz fan, and I'm not mm. trying to like you can't really compare them, but like one of them has an Oscar, right? A hundred percent. So, but that said, she's very very good in this role, and even with the, I I think she's kind of underwritten as a character, to be honest with you. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and I think she's doing the most. She sells every moment that she's in. It's a much more pragmatic Catwoman. Like there's not any, you know, fancy gadgets and all of that. It's very much rooted in reality. I think even more than the Nolan trilogy was. Um, so I thought she was she was really good, but if she's in a future movie, I want to see her written more because she's like really the only woman in this film mm. and you know she just doesn't have the meat of a lot of the characters around her if now, that makes sense i heard something i heard mm. that there's a scene in the film in which batman rides a big motorcycle next to catwoman who is also riding a big motorcycle and that it is very nice to see with one's eyes <laughs> to see two beautiful people riding mm-hmm. big beautiful motorcycles together is yeah. this true mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, there's there's going to be like a lot of fanfic about that. Um, also, I have to say, uh, uh, Colin Farrell, very good. <gasps> Unrecognizable. Completely. 100% oh, yeah, he plays not the penguin, right? He plays the penguin. He's great. He's great. physically, just like you know, the whole time, like great performance where you're going, is this Colin Farrell? Because it doesn't, it's, it's like, <laughs> he's completely unrecognizable. It's bizarre. Gee. I just saw him in something else. What? I why I should not have started this tangent because I'm not going to be able to follow through on it. It might have been the new Hot Ones episode. Oh, <laughs> um, but, but they and they actually announced uh, today or, or yesterday, as as you're listening to this, they announced uh, March 9th that um, um, HBO Max is going to be doing a um, Penguin spinoff. Yeah. Uh, for a limited series. What? Um, oh and my god. So which which will actually be executive produced by Matt Reeves and and will be starring Farrell. So which is the wow. right move, I think. Like yeah. that I think is is a smart move because he has enough cachet as an actor. You can give him a limited series. He's not a main character, so it's not gonna like take away from mm-hmm. your future potential, you know, like 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 sequels and whatnot. Like this this I think is the right way of doing a, a spin-off prestige limited run streaming series. Yeah, it's a great 100%. idea. Can we talk about Jeffrey Wright? He is such an underrated actor, I feel. Just just freaking amazing in this role. His Jim Gordon mm-hmm. is... I, I've never seen, like, we've seen Jim Gordon as a good person and a strong moral presence. He really feels like a partner to Batman in this film as they're building trust together. Mm. And and this guy, like, look, he was great in the he was great in the uh the Bond films. He's fantastic on Westworld. 
I really love the humanity that, that he brought to this role because it's a movie that is so dark and depressing and just oppressive with how bleary it is. And there's just a, a, a real humanity and a moral intensity to his character that I don't even think Batman has. Yeah. And he's, he's just a joy to watch every second he's on screen. I agree. He's great in it. And I, and I would point out for, for anybody out there, if you are an HBO Max um, subscriber, if um, uh, Jeffrey Wright um, uh, won an Emmy and uh, uh, a Tony um, for his performance in um, Angels in America. And uh, it, I would I would recommend checking the 2003 uh, Mike Nichols adaptation out because he's really good in that. But um, uh, no, he's he's wonderful in it. And I think that he brings something new to the Gordon character that I wasn't expecting because it's it, Batman is one of those challenging um, IPs because it's been told so many times and we know it so well and it there are so many kind of ongoing things and like how do you when you've had kind of and this is a difficult one because you have had in my opinion the definitive telling of Batman on the screen that I, mm-hmm. I don't think that anyone's going to surpass the Nolan I trilogy I like agree. I I don't this think you can. This doesn't. No, yeah. it absolutely doesn't. But it's good, and 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 it and and I, I appreciate that it wasn't trying to, but but it is a challenge if you're talking about IP that continues, right? Because comics don't end just after a good series goes on. You know what I mean? Some of them do, but many of them continue on. So, I I appreciated what they did with this, but it's it's I I have to I have to imagine this is a challenging, difficult thing for a studio like Warner Brothers, who's struggled with their DC properties like There's No Tomorrow. Um, but the, the well they keep going back to is obviously, you know, the, the Batman well and, and obviously Todd Phillips Joker was very successful and, and this had a big opening weekend. Um, but you know, the, the, the DC proper stuff, like when they've tried to kind of create an extended universe that has failed, but, um, but I like what they did with this. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan. I mean, I think that obviously, um, uh, Spider-Man, uh, I think Marvel wins again because that's more fun and whatnot, but. I really liked it. I, I, when it comes out um, on um, HBO um, next month, Simone, you should definitely yeah, watch it. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys have kind of convinced me to to check it out. I, I initially wasn't going to. I, or I, I wasn't going to go see. I'm not going to go see it in theaters, probably just because, I don't know, I want to go see smaller movies in theaters, I think, right now. Um, but I've had a, I've heard a lot of enthusiasm from people who are like, yeah, it doesn't like break the mold of batman but it is a very solidly constructed good batman movie and you know what it's been a while i would call it a good film as much as a good batman movie yeah totally it is you know it's a it's a long three-hour movie. Like it yes. is, it is hard to sit through. But I really enjoyed seeing it more the second time than the first time. What made you see it a second time? By the way, uh, I need to get out of the house because I'm losing my <sighs> <Yeah>. damn mind <laughs> on lockdown. <laughs> Just getting real with you. I had a long day at work, and I'm like, I gotta get out of here. And coronavirus. Yep. There it is. Um, uh, you know, it is. Seeing it a second time, it's a really tightly written script. And when you kind of know the secrets of where the the plot is going, it's like a screen movie, like seeing how they weave it all together. It's really, really satisfying. But this is one of those movies, like the emotional toll of it, 
Like it's three hours of no real jokes of some, <laughs> some like serial killings, you know, of like a, a really dark, serious presence to everything. I mean, it's a, it's, it's not a bad film, but it's, it's not, it's not surprising to me that Spider-Man did much better because Spider-Man was fun. Oh, <laughs> totally. This is more good, if that yeah. makes sense. No, I agree. Well, and it's done very well, to be clear. Like, it had a really, really big opening weekend, $132 million or something like that. But um, I-, I will say, when we talk about the length, I agree the script was tight, and and you can tell that they they cut whatever they could cut at a certain point. And I feel like especially, I feel like, at a certain point, especially given like the the way that television and, and, and films are working now, I, I mentioned this on Twitter before the film came out, and I still feel this way. I feel like if if when you're writing your script and when you're getting the shooting script together, if you're looking and you know when it's in the can, if you know that this is what you're at, I feel like you need to either cut it down to two and a half. And if you can't do that, then you need to expand out and you need to just make it, you need to just make it a limited series. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, honestly, I, 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 you know, and I, I would say the exact same thing about the Dune um, films. I, I think that oh. that should have been a miniseries, to be honest. I disagree on that because I did love that movie. But I, I guess did I too. did kind of watch it in parts, like, to be honest, because I went and baked this a is, cake is, in well, the middle of my, it. Well, this is my uh. point, right? And and so, and I feel like that way you could have the second one, at, you know, at the same time, like it could all be one cohesive thing. You wouldn't have to split it up the way that you've done it. Like, I feel like some of those constraints with time are um, artifices of the fact that no one wants to sit in a theater for three hours because you have, don't want to, you know, uh, have to get up and go to the bathroom all the time and whatnot. I, my, my other like option, if you utterly refuse to do that, then if you're going to have a three hour movie, they need to bring back intermissions. I just think that that's like yeah, the only like fair. sensible thing to do. Uh, let's wrap this up yeah. so that we can. Yeah. Yes. I, I was, I was going to say, I'm talking about making things shorter and, and I'm going on and on. Sorry. <laughs> All right, let's get to today's uh, what what we're up to this week. Bree, uh, you have some big news. Tell us what <laughs> you're do. up to this week. I do. Uh, we'll drop a link in the show notes, but there's a piece in Deadline about the the progress of the uh, the Gamergate TV show. Uh, we landed a major uh, production partner, uh, Norman Lear's production company. Uh, it basically is working with us to develop this further. We are specifically out there right now, and uh, like, uh, the the meetings that we're having as far as uh, next steps and who we're hiring to really uh, cement and develop this, it's it's really exciting. So, yeah, obviously, as television, a million things could go wrong. You know, I'm, I'm kind of dealing with the whole thing by just not counting on any of it <laughs> to happen. But uh, certainly huge news and a fantastic partner for a project like this. Uh, you know, Norman Lear, uh, one of the iconic. other projects I co- beyond iconic and very socially conscious uh, uh, work. Like uh, one of the things he's doing right now is a, a good time to reboot with Kevin Hart, you know, which is obviously a fantastic fit. So um, I'm really looking forward to this and uh, can't wait to see where it goes from here. Awesome. And Christina, what about you? Well, huge congrats, because honestly, like, that's amazing. And Norman Lear is beyond iconic. And uh, uh, like you said, I, I know you're not trying to get, you know, a county thing until it, it's done. But I'm really, really, um, like, uh, proud of you and, and happy Thank for you, you for going that far. Mm-hmm. Like, that's amazing. Um, as for me, you know, I've just got some work stuff going on. And um, I'm a... Yeah, I guess I'm going to be trying to... Fi- I-, I won't get my new monitor for a month because of 
the, even though I ordered within five minutes, I have a feeling that if you didn't get like the bog standard one on, you know, the non-removable, non-adjustable stand that, uh, everybody was going to be getting it in, in April. So I'll be getting it like April 7th through something. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm just, just got some work stuff going on and, and not, not too much else, um, happening, um, except, uh, you know, like, like you, Brie, I'm, I'm feeling cooped up. Like I'm, I'm ready to like go out and and, and get into and get it, get into the world. Everybody seems super crazy on social media lately. I've got to say, even by normal standards, I think everyone's just losing their minds right now. Maybe I'm, maybe it must be different in New York, but we're, we're out. We're out there. (laughs) We're out there. It's a foot of snow like right now. That's a problem. Yeah. That's bad. Go back to Florida. I, I should. Um. Hey, uh, what am I doing this week? Uh, I am. I'll talk about the. I'll talk about the new MacBook next week. Um. I'm just doing work stuff. Honestly, we are uh hiring a in a couple new roles at Polygon. So I've been doing job interviews all week. Uh, and I'm both very very excited about the about the developments that are happening and the the growth that's happening on my team. And I'm also deeply tired. Uh. I did not realize that doing like doing the interview, being the interviewer for a new job would take up so much emotional bandwidth. Uh, so it's interesting. It's it's interesting to to learn that and to experience it. But wonderful things will come of it. So I'm excited. You just need to ask one question. Like, would you support a Detective Simone series here at Polygon? Like, will you let me make more <laughs> videos about Dinotopia? Yeah. Yes. Nothing. Okay. Yes. Hired. They're hired. Well, I actually did just hire your dog, I believe, before we started rolling. So (laughs) I guess my struggle is over. Yep. All right. Really excited about this new uh, brand of game journalism that's just writing bark over and over again. (laughs) That's what the people want. Um, Hey, Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, You can find me on twitter.com at Brianna Wu. And Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find my videos for work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Doom Quasar and my videos at youtube.com slash Polygon. Thank you so much for listening to Rocket. I hope you enjoyed it. And that if you did, you will leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts because all the cool kids are doing it. Thanks for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.